0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 180 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And I'm also joined as a special treat by Greg Hio down in San Francisco, California. Yeah, hey, Hello. Howdy. So, uh, this is uh, January 24th. I just want to get this in before the, the clock strikes midnight here in Toronto, but it is the anniversary of the introduction of the Apple Macintosh computer by Steve Jobs back in January 24th, 1984. So, what does that make this? The 44th anniversary? <laughs> 30, uh, 34, by
1: the way. Yeah, it it's,
0: it's, math. it's math. Tammy will forgive me. That's
1: true. We'll go with 34. Right,
0: it, yeah, on this day in history, to- uh, posted on Twitter today, a great picture of Steve Jobs with the original uh, picture by, and I've forgotten the name of the lady who wrote, who drew the picture that's on the screen. Ugh.
1: Was it the lady who did the icons as well? Same yeah, person? yeah,
0: the, the cow dog lady. Yeah, uh,
1: Ka- Katie? No, Katie no. something. I have to look it yeah, up we'll now. Let's real time follow up this
0: cow dog. Yeah, that should be my pick actually. I found some uh, interesting um... Susan Ka- Susan Kerr, right? Susan Kerr, thank right, you. Kerr, I was thinking situation.
1: Katie. No, that's her last name. All
0: right. Yeah, Susan Kerr. I found a website actually. I think. On her, maybe on her website, you can actually buy signed prints by her of the cow dog and the original she did the smiley Mac and the you know the sad Mac uh, and a bunch of other things. She also drew the picture that 's on the cover what what's on the screen in uh, the photo that I'm going to post in the show notes is uh, um, a Japanese it looks like a Japanese print of a woman combing her hair that's from the original Mac paint box cover and uh, she actually did that illustration in uh, and of course so it's it's credited to her and um, oh, what's his name now Bill the guy who did the menu what's his name? Bill, Bill Atkinson Bill Atkinson thank you yeah I met him at uh, at one of the WWDC's and got him to sign my badge um, but yeah he, he um, he's an iOS developer like the rest of us now but yeah he did the menu and all that kind of stuff. So his, he's credited with that, that particular image as well because it's his work. Alrighty, so moving on. So we have an Ask MTJC which Greg pointed out. So Greg, do you want to dive in there?
1: Yeah, it's from friend of the show, Alan Edmonds. That's Alan J. Edmonds on Twitter, referring back to the discussion you guys had about the self-driving car and the one that was missing the steering column. And he says mm-hmm. the about that, but he can't imagine having a relaxing journey, but if you had to maneuver into a unusual parking location, that the, I guess he would want to take over the wheel and drive it into there. What do you think about that?
0: We already have cars that will park themselves though, right?
1: I'm, so, I'm thinking that seems like the part that you would want the car to do. automatically. yeah. 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 If it's like, oh, I'm just driving on the street, there's a red light, there's a green light, there's a stop. I mean, that sounds boring too, but I'm like, I can yeah. do that. But when it's like, oh, a difficult parallel parking job, I would want the car. That's what the car would do best. So. Yeah.
0: Or, or even the Batman valet mode where you know you, you you pull out your Bat Belt or you pull out your iPhone 7 and you push a button and, and the car... Car comes to you from the parking lot and picks you up at the front door of whatever event you're at. What really freaked me out is the idea of, of being on a highway with no steering wheel, <laughs> and you know all of a sudden a squirrel runs in front of the car, you know, or something. You know, you kind of yeah. you want to grab the wheel and slam on the brakes, and
1: you know, I, I can't imagine they wouldn't have something like an emergency, like the emergency brake they have on trains yeah. and things. Like,
0: yeah, like, or like, the dashboard be, turns
1: handle? into a, like a handlebar steering wheel or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You lift up the handlebar like on a roller coaster, and it'll just do the emergency stop or something like that. So, like, sure. Yeah. would kind of be surprised yeah. if it didn't at least have a break. But yeah, I would I would reply to this tweet and say that is exactly what I would want a self driving car for for those situations because I feel yeah. like the machine could do that way better than I could. Yeah,
0: and it's one of these things too. Like, you know, um, you know, when I was younger, I might have I, I don't think I've ever really wanted to drive. I mean, I like driving, don't get me wrong. Um, and I've had standard cars, but I always found driving standard was a chore personally. I know a lot of people like they like the sort of feel of they, they can feel the road and they can and control of the, the vehicle and stuff and um, I've always wanted an automatic car and yeah if I can just kick back and you know doodle on my iPad or check out my Twitter feed while the car takes me where I want to go that's that's perfect for me right so mm-hmm. you know I, I, I I'd prefer to be chauffeured around as opposed to being in control of the vehicle at all times right so mm-hmm. and I kind of changed my attitude towards driving when I moved out to Vancouver because in Ontario it's, it's dog eat dog you know I'm sure it is down, down where you are too on the highways and stuff like that um, you know and you're always having these big long hour long on commutes every day and that kind of stuff. But when I moved to Vancouver, they're very yeah. civil about how, you know, if two opposing lines of traffic are coming to merge together and go onto to like a, an a expressway or something like that, they all just go one after the other like civilized human beings would normally do, right? And that really calmed me down in terms of how I drove. People don't, in, in in Ontario we drive in whatever lane, you know, the fastest lane is the one on the left kind of thing, right? In Vancouver, nobody drives in the left-hand lane. They all drive on the right. And only only when you need to pass would you go to the left-hand lane or to make a left-hand turn right so it's kind of a sort of a calmer more laid back kind of uh, driving style and it used to really freak me back when I'd come back home to visit the family for thanksgiving and christmas that I just couldn't drive home from the airport kind of thing right mm-hmm. and over time it sort of calmed my whole driving style down right so yeah i'm not in, i'm not in a big rush to get anywhere anymore so yeah i think I, I i think if we could get the self-driving cars out of fiction like out of sci-fi where you just get it and get in it and say Take me to Cupertino and it and it would, you know, kind of thing. Or home James, you know. (laughs) That would, be, that would be ideal for me. But I don't know. How you, How do you guys feel about driving cars? I mean, what do you think about?
2: Well, I, I want to focus on a slightly different interpretation because it's interesting that you both took unusual location and from what I'm hearing, took it as difficult, like parallel parking uh, backwards into like a 45 degree incline sort of hill. I interpreted that because it's a little bit ambiguous as being, what if it's a place you're not normally supposed to park, right? right. It's yeah. like a concert, you know, out in like the middle of a field somewhere it is well you know this technically isn't a parking but it's after hours and i can just sort of wedge my if i was you know manually driving i would just wedge myself and get like one of my wheels sort of half on the curb half not how does that sort of situation come into play i don't know yeah, that's don't, a really good question I, if you don't have a manual override
0: have you ever parked in northern northern San francisco like where it's really hilly and we went there once for dinner with a friend of ours and and man like you, you have a hard time walking down those streets never mind parallel parking on them right
1: you's got a turn the
0: wheels to the right direction. Yeah. Uh, no, I like but, I like Jaime's
1: interpretation there because it's true. Like, how would you even tell in someday in the future, would you, yeah. you just say, I want to go to this address, and it pulls up in front, you get out, and then it like goes off and finds a parking spot, and then you have to call it back. Yeah, I guess. Because yeah. yeah, if would you're I was gonna say committing a crime, but yes, yeah, so you're at a concert out in the middle of nowhere, you're going to Burning Man or something, I don't know, and you just want to stop the car and leave it there, then is there a but? Like, how do you say, just find the random spot here? I don't know.
0: That's an interesting question. Question. I'm pretty sure Batman had like a little remote that he pushed and in the, in the car came to him in one, at least one of the movies if not the TV show right uh, but yeah. by the, just so so you know uh, Jaime, I live on a one-way street here in Toronto and we park we parallel park on the left right so we get very good at doing that and then so now when we're driving around we go visit friends and stuff that my wife and I always have to stop and think for a half a second about parking on the right so
1: hmm. but yeah I, I guess the way I imagine the future is just that you I guess every particular point on earth would be mapped somehow, you would tell the car where you want to go, then you get out and then the car goes somewhere to some communal parking lot that's somewhere. And then when you want to call the car back, you push the button on your phone or you use your neural implant to think about it. And then the car comes out and meets you outside. So parking is sort of a something you don't even have to think about. It knows where sure. to go to sit for an hour.
0: But is it necessarily your car? Right. I mean, that that's the other thing too. me well, yeah, that's in the, future, the sort of phase three like part whole, of it. Yeah. Yeah. Just you just have a pool of cars floating and driving around and, you know, you just push a button and... And, and the uber mobile comes over and picks you up right yeah
1: yeah so yeah. i don't know maybe we're thinking about a future problem with the present mindset and it's like of course i want to take over yeah. if i want to park the car yeah. in this unusual location but then i guess i'm thinking well there's no such thing it will just drop you off and you don't worry about it i don't know you know I, I just want to make
0: sure my car has a home button 16 gigs of ram comes in white and has a notch
1: oh come on we don't have home buttons anymore tim <laughs> home gestures <laughs> home gestures that's true yeah yeah
2: true. you know i i was using an iPhone uh, seven as a it's a work test device, and I had my first instance of me trying to flick up from the bottom to go back home yeah. instead of <laughs> yeah. hitting the home button. You're,
1: you're ruined for forever now. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's become so natural. It was so weird to get used to as a as a gesture, but now I don't even think about it. Yeah, I was paying attention today as I was using my iPhone ten because uh, a friend of a sh- friend of the
0: show, Marin, doesn't doesn't believe the iPhone ten has a need to be on the earth. But um, but I was thinking about r- replying to him cuz cuz when i use my iphone 10 it's so much faster to get in and out of things you know with with the gesture based uh, um, interface right i still well, as i said before i still put my thumb down on on the home area when when i'm using face id because it just you just do right but yeah i find i find that the the gestures are really quick on um, a quick way to navigate around once you get used to them right so and there was of course i'm i'm referring to a, a post that people have been saying for the last couple of days that the iphone 10 is being discontinued because no it's not being <laughs> Discontinued. It's being replaced by the next model, which apparently is going to have a smaller notch area and and that kind of stuff. So so this particular incarnation of the iPhone is going to go away as they which do. Which has happened for the last ten
1: yeah. years only. So I don't why yeah, like people much so surprised. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah it, it, I
2: found that one uh, the news to be kind of clickbaity on that one. It's like oh look it's yeah. discontinued, which sort of like Doom! implies yes. oh such a failure. Look, see it was a bad idea. I was like well no. I mean think about it if the iPhone X series 2 comes out that's your top of the line super premium you know $1000 US machine what are you going to do sell a almost not quite top of the line iPhone X that's what $50 cheaper 100 why would you do that you would you wouldn't want to cannibalize that super premium market you say oh you don't want to buy premium guess what buy the iPhone 8s or the iPhone 8s plus right yeah. like i I, yeah. I feel like that's the strategy going forward for apple of like hey if you want top notch get our normal 8 8 plus, you know, type of models, you want top of the line, that's where you, you pay the premium.
0: Yeah, it's crazy, you know, Touch ID on a Mac, Face ID on an iPhone, the ability to put my, my phone down on a top of a charger and have it charge without having to fuddle with a, with a cable, that's the future, man, and that's where I'm living, and, and it's great, and when I come home and I'm using my old archaic stuff, uh, you, it gets annoying, right? So, uh, the people who complain about, you know, Touch Bar Macs, about the uh, iPhone 10, and it's the non-existent notch, seriously, you don't even look at the a notch right um, yeah you're, you're looking at your your focus is somewhere else it's it's such a such a joyous machine to use and and you know lovely screen so I can't imagine Apple would take a step back away from that right no way all right that said um, Jaime you have a, some FU for us some follow up
2: yeah speaking of, of the future the beta version of iOS 11.2.5 is out and it includes uh, some new Siri related stuff so you can say hey followed by the word Siri and something like give me the news and it will bring up news from some sort of selectable podcast like npr fox news cnn uh the washington post and is this is gone. apparently in anticipation of the HomePod release which is of course um a siri powered speaker that we will talk right. about later on this show mm-hmm. i've not tried this out because i haven't been using the betas but it seems pretty sensible it looks pretty straightforward it seems um like it's going to be an awful lot like the way that these news bits work for the amazon echo and the google home I'm a little bit less, like if I was predicting here, I would probably be a whole lot less likely to use this on my iPhone than I would be on a HomePod, I think. Um, I think, as I've mentioned before yeah. in the show, I tend to use it as like, oh, I've woken up, I'm you know, washing my face, feeding the dog, preparing breakfast. That's where I can just say, ahoy, metal canister, start telling me information about, you know, the world that's going on today. Um, If I'm already at the point of looking at my phone uh, or if it's there, you know, close nearby, I probably uh, just go and look at the news and you can see what's hot on Google News or something.
0: Well, you know what? So um, I'm I'm already using my iPhone with HomeKit to lock my door when I leave in the morning. I very rarely take my my keys out of the pocket. and, And of course, now it's like, you know, minus seven. Degrees Celsius, which is like it's cold. <laughs> Let's put it that way. You can do the math. Um, so I, I, you know, I use my phone, and I have to take my glove off to swipe and do the thing. And uh, I was talking to Aluin over at uh, Taco last week. He's also another big HomeKit user, and he was saying that you can set up these, ske- these scenes where you can walk out the door, or you can he comes home with his car in his car, and he says Siri, "Hey Siri, I'm home." And sorry <laughs> for those of you who have that turned on, um, but uh, and it and it basically it runs the sketch. And turns on the lights and unlocks the door and, you know, turns up the furnace or whatever you need to do, right? So I totally could see using the phone to do that as well. So I think adding more functionality to Siri would be great on the on the phones. Um, and of course, you know, I think we mentioned before that that we bought a Google Home and there's a reason why. Uh, that makes sense now for us in Canada, but uh, we bought a Google Home for Christmas and so, you know, the wife and I, you know, we now have it in the kitchen and we and we tell it to stream the, the radio for us and, and it happily does. And if you want to find out what the weather is, just ask ask the Google appliance. Hey, metal canister, what's the temperature? Right, um, so that's cool. I you know think I, I think it's great that they're adding more functionality to Siri
2: in in iOS at least, right? To you know, we never did uh, explore why you chose a Google Home as opposed to an Amazon Echo. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because both are available in Canada, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, um, I think the, the the Google Home. I don't know. I just I, I know you talked about it last uh, last year when you got one. Um, you know, because we had to put put your picture your picture with it on the cover um, yeah I don't know I mean I think it was just sort of it was in my in my, pre- present in my in my consciousness and over at, over at Best Buy they set up a big Google Google home um, area there at, at the local Best Buy that I go to and um, and I kind of got the impression from the Alexa that they were kind of pushing you towards um, uh, more Amazon type you know hey I want to buy this or I want to get my groceries or I need I need eggs I need butter that kind of stuff right you would you would do that kind of call with with the Amazon thing. And I know with Amazon, there's a bit more. You know, I, I guess I really didn't explore the whole sort of sketchy uh, um, thing. Is it called sketches where you can uh, write your own stuff?
2: Right? Skills, I think, is what you're talking Skills, about. Yeah, right? yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. We had a demo actually at work the other day. One of the, one of our contractor companies came in and did a demo on on how you can do that. In fact, you can use Alexa on your browser as well, which they were demonstrating too. Um, why the Google Home? I'm not really sure. The only the, reason, the thing about it is it was a gift for Carol, and Carol is constantly looking up. She does costume design which is why I was laughing at you on on, uh, on SpotCast earlier when you were, you
2: were dissing the whole costume industry.
0: No, um, <laughs> so to be fair, because people
2: may not have listened to that episode, uh, I was uh, uh, talking about the fact that uh, when I think of the costume design award, I generally think yeah. of it as being uh, both the creative aspect as well as the sort of uh, manual skill aspect to it, right? There's a whole textile uh, skill to it. Um, and spoiler for that episode, there's in my mind I've, I'm thinking. Well, I feel like something like a, a notable snub, like a Wonder Woman, where they had to come up with stuff versus and, and actually you know use skill to produce it. Uh, you know, to actually produce the costume is something a little bit different than oh, what did Winston Churchill wear? Okay, let's make something like that. Still takes the skill part, but less so of the creativity was just to cover. If you want more, we discuss it more on on uh, the corresponding episode of Spockcast. Which brings me to why we put, we
0: chose the Google Home because Carol is constantly doing research about costumes on the internet and she's often going down these rabbit holes that have no answer, right? So um, it was kind of a jokey, it wasn't so much a jokey present but I just thought I was going to give her something to yell at. You know, she, you know, she could yell at Google and say, why can't you find this for me, right? Um, and just get into that whole circle of, of fun you know, kind of thing with uh, with uh, with the Google device. But I just, because she's a, a you know avid Google user, I thought the Google appliance would make more sense for her She's not necessarily going on Amazon and buying things, kind of thing, which is kind of, I guess, maybe from my consumerism mindset, that's kind of where I sort of saw the Alexa uh, coming into play, was sort of tied into what Amazon's doing with with uh, their stuff. I am disappointed by the the lack of Apple integration in the Google device. Um, it only does so much um, with that. Like it can't, you can't tie it into your iTunes and HomeKit. I do have a, ne- a Nest um, thermostat as well, and and um, it's key to get the next to work with homekit because you have to run a homebridge you know uh, emulator to, server to, to be able to tie the nest into your homekit but uh, the fact that google and nest work together well would be another thing too right so you know in a perfect world we'd have something like that be able to turn on the alarm system as well right but uh, and i'm i'm thinking you know it just sort of seems like you know whether apple comes up with the homepod and when apple comes up with the homepod in canada spoilers for later on in the show um, they you know how well are the to third party is going to integrate with it. I think they're probably more likely to integrate with the, you know, with Amazon and, or with the Alexa and Google home. So, you know, just I, it, my gut feeling is that's where it's going to be for a little while, more Googly than, uh, than Apple for a while. that makes sense?
2: Yeah. It, it, if I was to sum it up, I think um, Carol is a little bit more uh, aligned with the sort of Google ecosystem than necessarily the yeah. Amazon one. And um, in my opinion, I think the Google home, because it is powered by Google is way better at asking it, you know, random, Ask the wise oracle sort of questions. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah. The Amazon one will, will sometimes get it, but uh, less successfully so. I think I'm, if I'm giving a command of some sort, I tend to give it to the Echo. If I'm asking, you know, who won the 1956 World Series, you know, who was the closer for that, I'm almost certainly going to ask the Google Home.
0: It is a bit goofy that we have to say, hey Google or okay Google. That She finds that odd, but can she, and she can't change the name of the Google device. But so are you saying, so with, which would you have chosen now that you've, you've owned both? Like, and, or would you just different, different different roles for each one?
2: I don't know if it's just, um, what do they call it? Homerism, where I'm like, you know, it's hometown stuff and maybe I give sort of the benefit of the doubt to Amazon being headquartered in Seattle. And I'm reasonably tied into the Amazon ecosystem as a, as a prime member. So I, I, I think I'd rather have, if I had to choose, like I, I love both my children, um, if I had to choose, uh, I think I would go with the Amazon Echo. Hmm. Uh, but but that that's just my personal choice. That's not a, a generic choice for everyone. Yeah, just to wait for the blackberry strawberry to come out. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, strawberry. (laughs)
0: Blueberry. We had blueberries already. Those are those blue uh, blackberries that they used to have back in the day. Anywho, uh, you got some more follow-up for us here, Hame?
2: Yes. So there's a, as it turns out, a US-only, as of this episode, um, service called Movies Anywhere. And the basic idea behind it is that you can sign up for the service. And when you do something like purchase a movie on iTunes, it can be available for you you know, with no extra charge, no additional charge on other services like Voodoo and Google Play. So you know if you bought wonder woman on itunes you don't have to go rebuy it because you said forget it i don't like this iphone 10 thing i'm gonna get myself a google pixel 2 and oh no now i'm stuck because you know yada yada like we've talked about the ecosystem lock in before um that's sort of the context for this this movies anywhere program uh the reason we're talking about this is apparently thor ragnarok um fell into the uh, the piracy gap here where uh people who were placing a pre-order for the movie thor ragnarok with voodoo realized that the movie showed up as immediately available on iTunes. So there was some sort of problem with the handshake there and uh, Marvel and Disney are sort of wondering what to do because now there's this uh, 720p, uh, you know, high quality edition out there on the interwebs. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of uh, wondering if this occurred around the same time that iTunes Connect went belly up and completely refused to let test flight builds move on to the uh, beta test review one because it happened around the same time that this article came out. So uh, I know it's uh, like a a bit of long running joke for 2017 about apple software quality and uh, it might be just a coincidence here that itunes is the one that messed up but it definitely was involved in this particular situation
0: hmm. i didn't know you could strip away itunes drm i'm just reading this article
1: did they do they have itunes drm is that still a thing i guess for the videos and the yeah, rentals it is. yeah they yeah. do yeah you have to sign with your apple id to watch it but
0: um if you don't you're not signed in but yeah according i'm just reading this here um thing on reddit uh, in the article that Jaime's got posted here interesting hmm. yeah it spread like wildfire apparently
1: uh, I'm not surprised if, you know, someone like that gets leaked. It's yeah, a
2: good sure. movie. I highly recommend people watch that
1: movie uh, did you through legal the means. you watch the already? How do you know that it's a good movie? <laughs> in the theaters. Um, yeah, we saw it in the theaters.
0: Yeah. Yep. That's our story and we're sticking to it. Yeah. No, we we actually did. I actually went... These guys were on my case about the fact that I hadn't seen it, so I went and made a point of going to see it over over the Christmas break. Hmm. Yeah. 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 No, it's a def- a definitely a necessary service. I mean, for sure, it's uh, something, something to really, uh, we need. I mean, like I was, I was saying last week, because uh, what you missed was on, on the other show, Spotcast, I had got the bl- the um, the Blu-ray of Blade Runner 2049, and immediately as soon as I got it, I thought, oh, well, I'll just watch a digital copy of it, and it turned out to be tied into uh, Ultraviolet, which is a system mm, which is now, yeah. was one time tied into Flickster and then of course, no, the Flickster app no, has now Flickster Video, and then, then I had to make a Voodoo account, and if I tried to play it on the, the Flickster app, and, you know, use the uh, Apple Play built into... Uh, it doesn't have Apple Pay built in, but if I if I wanted to use it on my phone, I would get... You know, because of the notch, I would, wouldn't get full screen on my TV. It was just like, enough already, right? So so definitely is a, a service-like Movies Anywhere is, is definitely required, and it should be in more places than just the U.S. Well, hopefully, it'll spread like wildfire to the other parts of the world, the free world. Um, cool. So, uh, moving on to the main topics, I've got a post here that uh, apparently Apple and um, Malia Youssef, uh, Tim Cook and her got together and announced a partnership where they're launching a sponsorship for uh, educating at least 100,000 underprivileged girls to get them into schools around the world. So that's kind of a cool um, Apple uh, and uh, the Malay uh story, uh, getting these, you know, helping kids, Apple, you know, infusing a, a big chunk of cash to get these underprivileged girls in Afghanistan, Pakistan, Lebanon, Turkey, and Nigeria into into schools. So that's cool.
2: This is in schools in general or tech schools? I'm a little unclear. Just um,
0: school. Like, yeah, like girls don't get to go to school, right? Um, boys get to go to school. And, uh, and and that's, you know, I don't know if you remember, Mala Yousaf was, was the woman, that Pakistani woman who was shot and survived the bullet wound. She was she was on her way to school. Um, yeah, so she became a, she's done TED Talks and she's basically become the worldwide representative of, of underprivileged women who are not allowed to go and be educated, right? So um, so there's a Mala Yousaf, or Mala Fund, it's called, an Apple or getting together to sponsor girls going to to school to regular school like you know grade school high school whatever
2: hmm? oh wow that's uh, that's a very powerful thing I, I hadn't heard of this story that one flew under the radar a little bit
0: but yeah you mean the co- collaboration between Apple and uh, Malla the Mala Fund? yeah yeah I mean, that's, that's a, I mean
2: because that's that's a a really uh, wonderful thing for Apple to be supporting for sure yeah so kudos yeah. to them for that one
0: yeah I'm I'm pleased with that cool so moving on we have. Um, this new device that's coming out i saw the tweet this morning uh, checked it out grabbed the story here the news news post from apple's press release um announcing that the home pod arrives february 9th and uh you'll be able to order it this coming friday which is two days from today as we record so by the time this shows out you'll be will have been able to record them yesterday or sorry order them yesterday um let's let's take but, a post survey
1: who's buying one, well, I'm, buying not buying one, say one. I? I'm not buying one because they're not available in canada oh, that's right. U.S., U.K., <laughs> Australia. I think is getting at the first round. Yeah, right. I mean, it's just you, right. you. Yeah, there's there's the, some uh, stats
2: there. So um, online orders Friday, January 26th, which uh, will have already passed by the time this episode comes out. Uh, that's availability immediately in uh, on February 9th in the United States, the U.K. and Australia, which uh, will be followed by France and Germany in the spring. <laughs> um i'm very unclear as to why given um canada, uh, canada's uh, proximity to the united states um and you know all the U's having been handled by the uk localization and all of the french being handled by the french localization i'm very baffled that canada is not at least in the spring release hmm. i'm um, sure it has
1: to do with rights and things like i was that. gonna say music rights maybe right. they, although they have apple music in canada and this is just advice yeah, it's not a new subscription service or anything
0: yeah that's kind of wondering about that too because i currently don't have apple music subscriptions i wonder if that's going to be required with uh, with the home pod as well to be able to get the streaming service right
1: that's still a question i don't think that has been that was answered or sorry that was asked when uh the announcement first came out but i think Mm -hmm. that it's still unclear exactly what this thing is going to do right yeah so are you getting one not real
2: i'm going to get one yeah you
1: are like on friday yesterday when people are listening to this you will have ordered one (laughs) yeah
2: so i guess probably uh they didn't specify but i assume midnight um on january 26th mm, yeah, yeah. i'm probably going to end up getting i mean there's only two options here like i always joke about the 16 gig option but you don't have that that option here it's uh <laughs> space gray or white and i'm gonna get the white one
1: okay right right all right well yeah, honey, we'll be able to do a full review on the 10th for us then
0: yeah i'm just posting here that uh if you follow that press release they also talk about siri kit for home home pod which at this point in time is coming soon mm. but you can still download siri kit and start playing around with it. Um, I think it's evolved quite a bit. Is this the same Siri kit that we got a couple of years ago where it had like uh, a handful of things it could do and, and uh, presumably, I think they added more things last WWDC, if I'm not mistaken?
2: Yeah, it was like six types of things before um, and then got upgraded in iOS 11 to be like, I don't know, 10 to 15 ish total types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely not as as open as something like integrating with the Google Assistant or with Amazon's Alexa service, um, but still Still not completely closed, right? It's not a completely closed. Thing as they describe here, uh, you can use like you know the reminders for note taking and to do list apps like Things and Evernote will you know apparently automatically work HomePod. Uh, you can ask Siri to send a message to a friend or colleague using apps like WhatsApp and and, and so on and so forth. Um, hmm. I think it speaks to sort of like the different strategy here in that uh, I tweeted you know I guess a few days ago by now by the time this episode comes out that sort of Amazon and Google's strategy is we have these voice assistants. That coincidentally come along with these low fidelity speakers. And Apple's strategy is we have this high fidelity speaker, which coincidentally comes with a virtual assistant. So um, I think that's sort of the the initial play here. So uh, I think it's also worth pointing out here that um, the multi room audio and stereo and the related AirPlay two that Apple talked about W D V that is coming in a future update. Even by the time this already delayed HomePod comes out, um, it's still going to be you know T V D in the future. Future for that. So that's definitely a bummer that something that was uh, you know, ostensibly going to come out in December 2017 is now delayed into 2018 and uh, is delayed even further for the sort of full experience that was promised to us uh, back in June of last year.
0: Hmm. Mm. And it, it seems to have sort of the sort of same sort of spatial effects that uh, sort of a Bose system would have. If you have a single one, it'll kind of do uh, a sort of a faux stereo separation. And it says here if you do have two um, HomePods, you can use them as they will work in stereo with each other and you can also if you have one in the kitchen and you want to play music in the dining room you can say play you can in the kitchen you can say play jazz in the dining room and it'll control that or you could have music throughout the house all perfectly in sync which i think is very similar to the sonos system if i'm not mistaken right Are you guys know any, anything
1: about sonos i was gonna say they put out a snarky tweet or a press release or something saying Did they? if you want a good speaker and you want to support spotify podcasts, xyz uh, every other thing then that product already exists i forget exactly what it was but i should try to look it up oh, did you funny. see that go by Jaime, in the tweet i did not <laughs> but it
2: makes a lot of sense given what you described and uh coming back to something that was just said uh, probably by you greg we don't know exactly what's happening with the apple music thing i mean we do know that you know on launch this isn't going to support spotify and pandora and you know, Google Music, oh, really? Amazon okay. Music, and you know, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I think people are in the meat of sort of taking it as it will never support these other things, and I kind of doubt that to be true. I don't know. I don't have any insider information. This is just my speculation. I think it will eventually support other types of things, if, if only because Siri Kit, I believe, will eventually support doing podcasts and music and that sort of thing. I think for this initial launch, it will definitely be Apple Music only. Um, I've been saving up my pennies because I have not used used apple music since uh, what 2015 when i had the free trial you know, for like three months of that and so i've been saving up my pennies and i'm ready to pay the whatever what is it like 9.99 a month for the subscription mm. um just because one thing i have here is like i don't pay for google play music i don't pay for the premium spotify and i don't pay for the uh, amazon prime music so the one thing i think i probably would pay for just because of the extensiveness of the catalog and also to make use of my um uh, soon to be here Higher fidelity speaker. I think it makes more sense for me to go with the Apple Music side.
1: Doesn't Amazon Prime Music? Isn't that included with Amazon Prime, Prime already? I'm, technic- I'm technically my account is technically part of an Amazon
2: Prime household, which oh, right. the right. main Prime so, member is my fiance. So okay. if I were to switch into her account, yes, but they also have these like uh, limited number of simultaneous streams sort of thing. So uh,
1: if so I did that so during the day, like, uh... it probably
2: cuts off while she's at work, sort of thing on her side. <laughs> right. All right,
0: <laughs> so it's probably. It's it's not like the the Apple one where basically you have like a family plan and
2: you kind of all kind of share it, right? It's uh, weird. Like there's like a like a like a limbo tier of Prime membership, and that's where my personal account happens to be. Uh, I see. Yeah, okay. and like
0: Netflix has like five accounts. Like if you have, you can have five family members on one Netflix, and so you could be watching five different shows theoretically, right? Um, right signing right. into different users, right? So yeah,
1: I know Spotify is more like I guess I'm, I don't use Amazon Prime Music either, but Spotify is like that. If I'm listening, I don't have a family plan, but if I'm listening on my phone and I power up the computer and launch Spotify it's like oh you're already listening on your phone so you know don't try oh, anything really? here or we'll stop the phone I think so it's something oh so they only let you listen to one yeah it's like uh, pretty much because you're one human and you can only listen to one thing at a time so that's kind of what they go that's with it's
2: not true <laughs> yeah and, and since I'm in the ACFOL ecosystem I want it to be you know hopefully at some point seamless where I'm you know start the day listening to the top 25 hits from 1985 and then I'm like oh time to go out growth shopping, all right. Well, you know, it, it just switches over to my iPhone while I'm driving to the grocery store, and maybe when I come back home and I oh need to walk the dog, all right, it switches over to my Apple Watch and just start streaming for there. Like that's sort of what I want, right? And yeah, and buying of off into the Apple with with its own. or with yeah. music, yeah,
0: yeah. We have the Amazon Prime Music, mm-hmm. and and I've listened, I've looked into the catalog, and it sort of has these sort of greatest hits kind of compilations, and not really that impressed with it yet. Um, but I think I think like anything else, like Apple. Music as well. It probably, I think they try to figure out what you like best. And I see a lot of tweets on on, on the Twitter uh, where people are sort of saying, "I'm not sure where Apple got the idea that I want to listen to this song next or what have you." Right. So I guess they're all they're all just kind of learning learning the ropes of what people like and don't like. Right. So yeah they
1: train those machine learning models a little better.
0: Yeah, and it's funny. Like I was, just speaking of Amazon Prime Video, for instance. I had it on my TV, like built into my. I think my TV has like an Android uh, interface in it somewhere, or it's a Samsung, so I think they have their own OS or whatever, but the Amazon um, Prime Video app in that versus the Amazon Prime Video on the Apple TV. Now the Apple TV is much more um, exposes a lot more to me in terms of what my choices are. Whereas the the lame um, app I had on the that built into the TV, I could never figure out what I could like. Think of five things I'd want to watch on uh, on the TV. So it's kind of funny how all these sort of different services are all approaching what you can listen to and what you can't watch or what have you, based on some sort of weird set of algorithms or, I guess, what's available at the time what's available at this time of the month or whatever, right? So, Netflix too, right? Things. Like, do things stay on if something comes to Netflix, is it there for sort of a period of time or
1: does it stay forever, you know? It's, it's like forever, the app, right? It kind of, I mean, maybe some things are there forever, but other things seem to come and go. I don't think it's one or yeah, the no. other.
0: And then with Apple Music, basically, guys, the theory behind Apple Music is it's not just your music but you get to listen to anything from anybody, right, kind of
1: thing? Anything that's in the Apple catalog in the apple catalog yeah if you pay the yeah. monthly subscription yeah
2: yeah I, I don't think it's one-to-one from what i recall I, again this was back in 2015 i don't think it was exactly one-to-one with what was available in itunes for purchase um i'd have to imagine that was just a consequence of them having to get the rights and and now i'm sure all future contracts that apple signs with the right, various yeah. uh, artists and um, labels probably include streaming um, if not additionally perhaps primarily
0: yeah it's funny in the analog world i could go go to any record store and buy any vinyl record and put it on any record player and listen
1: to it. Well, you could do the same with the Sonos if you read their snarky tweet and it's apparently a blog post titled oh, really? Why no. Open Matters with the little sub thing Freedom of Choice. So put that in the notes. You can have a but uh, so. A so that. But
0: Sonos, I thought, does Sonos have its own
1: music streaming service? I don't Is think that... so. They're just, a, well not just. They are like, we are a speaker company. We will tap into anything oh, that see. you want right. to listen to. Right. But they're a speaker company. But they're
0: not solving the problem which is that I don't have everything in my catalogue, you know, that I would necessarily want to have, right? Right. Um, yeah. And, and what I like about Spotify, to be honest with you, I, I've, I don't have a paid Spotify account, but, if, you know, every now and then I'll see something on Twitter. It'll be like, oh, hey, check out this album or check out this mix or whatever. And I don't mind listening to the commercials and, and, and having them play me some music, you know. Uh, I don't know how other people feel about that. but uh, I hate the commercials, so I,
1: I pay for Spotify. Do you?
0: Oh, you hate the commercials. I hate the commercials. Mm-hmm. but uh, I can tune them out. Mm. But, I you. I only listen, like, you know, for a little while and then I'm off uh, something shiny comes up and I'm off to do something else right so mm-hmm. yeah most of my airtime is listening to podcasts surprisingly yep cool and uh, most of them are things are re- replays of uh, things off of the radio which are podcasts now because our Canadian Broadcasting Corporation publishes their shows as, as uh, podcasts as well yeah so that's pretty much it so oh you got the thing about the inventing the unit of time here huh, so why don't you
2: tell us how Facebook is changing our lives again <laughs> I mean might, maybe not uh, yours and I live but people who do uh, audio-based stuff, um, maybe Video Video. would like this. Oh, sure. Fair fair point. Um, This is something coming out of Facebook's open-source camp. They're launching uh, a thing called Flick, where a flick is the smallest time unit, which is larger than a nanosecond Mm -hmm. that exactly subdivides media frame rates and sampling frequencies um, on an integer basis as opposed to being a floating point where you would end up with uh, drift over time, right? Like You don't want to use flooding point for that sort of thing uh it apparently translates to one over seven hundred five million six hundred thousandth of a second mm-hmm. so that's uh it's there available on github it's uh something that um, I'm probably not going to use personally because uh, I'm not sort of in that world, but I would have to imagine there will be tons of tools that people will use that do this sort of thing. So um, pretty interesting to me. I, I had never considered uh, that sort of problem before, but um, sort of the how the sausage is made, even on this very show, mm-hmm. we do a little marking sort of thing so we can sort of see where we are um, to get all of our audio lined up. And if we had a lengthy enough show, we would probably have to resync it up again because after what like an hour hour and a half Tim is probably when we start drifting off of each other
0: yeah so well yeah I can sort of explain that and it it totally totally makes sense to me now that you you mentioned drift in it but because if we record off of Skype like if 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 I record on my machine locally with QuickTime and then I record you off of Skype the Skype recording speeds up and slows down based on uh, any number of algorithms they use to compress and make the sound sound good during the live conversation on the Web, they kind of you know, it almost sounds like you're being auto-tuned. Sometimes you'll hear that in the mixes of our show. We apologize for that, of course, that of course, but that's sort of those are the artifacts that happen. And what happens is that uh, Skype, I think, because their effort is to make the sound decent as opposed to accurate, they don't they drift in and out of sync with with the show. So sometimes if if somebody's recording breaks or whatever, and I have to use part of the Skype recording, uh, which we we used to use as a backup, um, I can't line it up exactly. Exactly. Because if I, if I just lined it up from end to end, over time they would drift in and out of the conversation, and uh, you end up with these weird echoey artifacts and stuff like that. So, um, what we actually do is we do what's called a double ender here. We actually re- we com- converse together online, and we like when, when I, I count at one, two, three, four, mar- or one, two, three, Mark, and then we all say Mark at the same time. And so, I'm in Toronto, and, and Jaime is in the West Coast, and, and so is Greg. Um, what I actually hear in my headphones is they're saying Mark a few nanoseconds behind me, right, and sometimes they're even out of phase with each other, and that's just our, uh, the the fact of the matter that, that we're going over the internet, and there's a whole lot of compression and stuff like that. So, um, and then when I'm working in, in Logic to try and mix the show up, um, and I look at the timestamps in the show, um, sometimes it, you, if you break a, um, a conversation, you want to split it up or cut out part of the conversation, you get these weird, really weird sort of numbers that are like, they're based on actual time, and you know. Hours, minutes, seconds, and then down to nanoseconds as well um, if it was if there is a measurement like you know and of course all these these things are done in bit rates as as, uh, as Jaime was saying, sampling rates and that kind of stuff, um, and if they 're all you know something divisible by uh, usually base two, I guess so uh, they're like twenty four forty eight you know uh, kind of numbers, uh, something like this unit of time built into a software piece like say logic or or uh, Final Cut pro or something like that or or audacity. Um, might make cutting the show and putting it together and syncing things up a lot more a lot more efficient, right? So, yeah, the drift is a huge problem in podcasting, specifically when we, like, it's and it's it's not so bad when we're, like, talking for 10 minutes, but we talk for, like, an hour and a half, two hours sometimes, and, and we compress it down to, like, a, you know, an hour and 20-minute show, but still from beginning to end, you know, uh, unless we, were, the only, the purest way we've, we've found so far is to actually do our own quick-time recordings, and then we use that sync that Jaime was talking about with the mark to put everything back together so
1: that's mark the word not mark the person we should just highlight
0: yeah well sometimes we (laughs) say george or bob or you know just just to annoy me but it's it's some sort of guttural sound that like in in (laughs) in, movies well i mean the if you ever watch movies you know how they have the slate at the beginning and they have like you know what scene they're filming and they have a a a thing the person claps down Mm. that's that's also to sync the video and the audio together so when they go back into the studio to actually do the final mix they can marry the people's voices with the movement of their mouth, right?
1: They have the video and the audio recording on separate pieces of film or whatever it is they used to record. And when you're in the studio, you're like, gee, where did that start? Where did that stop? So the clapper, two ends going together and the sound on the waveform, you can easily match them up, which is what you do with our voices too, I think, right?
0: Yeah, so that slate thing has a couple of, if you look at the way what what it is, sometimes it's got like a color, a a series of colors like rainbow colors on it. They use that for color mixing. Back in the day when they used to develop film by, by making Mechanical means they would have to, you know, make the color balance correctly based on on that. Um, and now you'll see in modern TV shows they they still use the clapper for for um, in some sense for archaic sense. But you'll see sometimes a running digital number on there, and that digital number also syncs the digital video recording with the digital audio recording, and it also gives them a visual cue to make sure everything's in sync too, as well. So that's, uh, I think, in in a lot of the video filmmaking, podcasting, audio mixing. Um, something like a, a flick might might be, might be a benefit there, it's, it's like one of these things like I kind of wonder you wonder at the genesis of this you know uh, if, if it's in fact going to be uh, something that lasts you know um, I think I mentioned before that when I was in university back in the in the 80s um, early 80s we, I, used, I used to work in a, a music studio and this is where I learned all this sort of uh, craft as it were and we had like a 24 track uh, mixer which went down to like 8 master channels and we had a lot of reel to reel tape machines. Machines, right, and so you would you would put your tape on and you would start your recording and you would you would mark down on a piece of paper what the you would have like this little analog um, dial that would spin and it would say it would start off with zero 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 and there was like a button you could push to make it go zero, and you would record your your track or whatever you were doing, and it would just sort of uh, mechanically roll forward right. And um, if you can imagine, if if you think about the math of it, though, um, you know the tape moves faster at the at the out. Side of the of the reel than it does in the inside of the reel. Does that make sense? It kind of all goes through the, the reel at the same time. But so as you you skip forward and you went to go reverse back because it was an me- analog me- mechanism, it didn't always come back to exactly the same spot you would expect it to. It was always off by a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I remember we asked our, our professor what 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 is that thing called? What do you call those units that that are on the the, the, ta- the tape machine? And he would go, Oh, I don't know. Those are, he says those are a waste of time. We called them you know let's call them Sony's for argument's. Sake. right so the, this the <laughs> flick may become the sony of uh in 20 years from time from now but who knows maybe it'll be uh the industry standard in 20 years who knows hard to say this is the genesis of it is that exciting no are you still there <laughs> raise your hand the, the story is a little like
1: oh look at facebook inventing. i mean it's just i don't know it's a little silly like it's clickbaity. who like oh
2: it, it is like look at <laughs> it not invented here is nanoseconds.
1: <laughs> Man, we didn't it's like it's good. they me. can't handle Facebook scale but it's it, the, the comments of course as always are even worse but it's just like well uh, are they are they solving a problem we have that's I guess the question right? I don't think it's meant to I think they're doing their own video production and yeah. you know floating point math isn't accurate they want to do integer math and they're like how do we do it let's just find the is it the greatest common factor or the least common multiple uh-huh. one of them that will yeah. handle all these kinds of video formats that we're working on and we'll just come up with this um, particular small number that divides evenly mm-hmm. into all these things that we want and it's like, okay, it's the, they didn't really invent anything. It's just, here is the base unit that we will use so that it will divide into all the different things. So it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. They're, they're just, it. they're just I'm like, fun. all right, I don't know. Uh, did they? I, I, I don't know. Maybe they came up with a press release and stuff. I don't know why they would have, but... It, yeah. I, I
0: it's just, like a naming convention. Like, you know, we decide from now on that, you know, all JIRA tickets are going to start with this, you know, and, and, you know, you can't commit your code unless your JIRA ticket starts with this. And, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a rule for production that makes, to me, it makes sense. I mean, like, you know, I've worked in other analog uh, mediums like screen printing and stuff like that where we, you know, we would have a a long, 100-yard long table and we would put um, stops along the way and we would, that was where we put the screen down and whenever we were doing a a big, long print run, right? So, um, and it was imperfect, but it was a way of dividing up the 100-yard long table into something we could manage. We could get, oh, look, we can get 20, we can print 20 flags on this particular, you know, run of fabric, right? Um, It's just, it's it's a production mechanism, right? It's something that they can use to to di- divide up the work and make it make sense to them, you know? And, and who knows? It might
2: make sense to other people, too. I assume it's kind of like the metric system, which is nice and e- even to <laughs> multiply and divide. Like, I know there's a sad irony given Here we go in the again, one and yeah. only one country in the world that, that isn't on there, where it was like, yeah. oh, 36 inches in a yard. How many yards in a mile? Heaven only knows. It's like 1,600-ish, I think, and 5,200-ish feet in a mile. You know, all yeah. these weird, unnecessary Complicated things. I think that's from what I can tell, sort of the state of the world in, uh, you know, video and audio production. And and this is trying to be like the metric system for that world.
0: I guess to bash the metric system for a second, I mean, for a lot of things, it makes a lot of sense because it's easier to work with, you know, sort of the whole number uh, in the whole number world. But like I have my thermostat set right now for 18 and a half degrees. And, you know, the furnace won't kick in if it's at 18 degrees. It has to wait till it's like, you know, a half a degree higher or lower. But I couldn't tell you what the difference feels like to my body between 18 and a half and 18 degrees Celsius right or Celsius yeah but you could certainly tell me the difference between you know 69 and 72 degrees right like you know what I mean like like 69 would probably feel cold to you and 72 would feel comfortable 75 or 78 you know do you know what I'm saying like yeah long time listeners
2: of this show will have heard me uh, rant at one point or another about how Celsius is is pretty good uh, you know as a scale for temperature but like not for people it's probably good no, for like totally nasa for you know people, it's probably yeah. good for deep sea divers but for hey uh should i wear a sweater or a t-shirt today it's like well yeah. uh, i don't know because on one end is ice and on the other end is dead yeah. <laughs> right yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, in terms of extremes, yeah, for sure. But, but like, like I said, the difference, like I said, the difference between 17 degrees and 18 degrees, you know, it's hard to tell that as a, as a person. But you know, like I think what 21 degrees is 72 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. So 20, you know, normally, if you have your thermostat set to 21 degrees, that's room temperature, that's comfortable, right? Um, but yeah, like just you know, I, I've been dealing with my furnace for like the last month and a half, and I can tell you that the difference between a half a degree Celsius is like negligible in terms of how you feel, right? <laughs> yeah, but that's you know that's 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 one of the flaws of the metric system, right? In terms of of how that works, and it, I mean, like I, I think you're right. In smaller, in, not in infinitesimal units like like millim- milliliters and stuff like that, those kind of and liters, and those those kind of make sense. But when you're talking about distances or speed, or road speeds, or or um, uh, you know temperatures, it's 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 kind of dumb. But like if you're talking about the like, distance from between the Earth and the Moon, that makes more sense in metric, you know. And that's why a lot of scientific um, stuff, sci stories they all talk about talk about things in kilometers and you know that kind of stuff because those are things that people can not that people can equate to I guess uh, part of the reason is they also sound fancy right <laughs> in, in a sci-fi sense right right yeah yeah anywho moving on uh, so I've I posted here too that uh, the uh, 11 iOS 1113 preview has just come out and there's some interesting uh, things um, that are coming to it uh, new some new AR experiences I think Greg you posted something about some things you've been waiting for them to fix that may or may not be fixed in this.
1: That was an Xcode thing, thing. so we can go into that next oh, but yeah okay. this is just the iOS 11.3 stuff which is this new? Apple coming out with a preview news kind of release about the new stuff coming in a point release?
0: Yeah I don't think I've ever seen something like this before. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah not from see. Apple itself it'll
2: usually be like a Verge or Ars Technica sort of article. Yeah that comes like out.
1: I thought Apple on the developer portal will release a beta and then that's it yeah. and and then somebody else will say hey we looked at the beta like mac rumors or whatever like you said and then they'll release this kind of thing. So it's a little surprising that Apple has been doing it. Apple has done it, I mean, because I don't remember that happening before.
0: Yeah, it could be part of the new Apple, you know, cuz they, they started off with the uh, with CoreML uh, with the machine learning stuff they've been publishing more. They have a journal now for machine learning. Mm-hmm. And then of course this is this is, you know, they're they're talking about their emojis which are interesting. I've never used one, to be honest with you, other than maybe the very first time, but kit you know become becoming more popular um, and uh, you know and and home uh, sorry health kit and and business chat which is something I d- really haven't sort of seen much going yeah. on business chat but uh, but here they've got that front and center in this this announcement as well right so mm. and and you know more health records inside the home inside the health kit too as well um, more things coming that way so interesting yeah and you were gonna mention uh, Xcode I guess 9 point3 is what that was 9 point3 sounds it? right yeah I was yeah.
1: Uh, oh you put I was eleven. 13. I think it's iOS 11.3. We're at Mac OS 10.13, but this is iOS Uh, 11.3. Anyway, uh, (laughs) I guess whenever there's something like this, I always download the Xcode beta. And then more importantly, I look at the release notes to see what was fixed and what isn't and what doesn't work yet in the betas and so on. And Mm -hmm. there was a note about, I don't know if you guys ran into this, but when I open a storyboard or a nib, maybe a nib, I forget, I don't know, storyboard for sure. Open the storyboard and if I have a multi-line label, then it just gets really angry and then it shows up as like zero width or it shows up as like um, zero width but like 10,000 points high or something crazy like that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I I've that. seen that and in, in, you're talking about the the, the the label itself or the thing in Xcode just zooms off the screen? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah o- multiline labels that. only. If you give the number of lines, of course, well, it, it should know anyway, but it knows how high the thing should be. But if you just do zero lines and the text is really long, like a paragraph or whatever, then interface builder just like, off. If you run it at runtime, right? it's fine, but yeah. just when you're in the when you're an in interface builder, it just looks like the crap. So um, I've been running into that now that I sometimes use story Yeah, and boards. the zoom
0: goes really small like and you get this big long, you have to scroll down for miles to find the bottom of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's just anyway, it's just no good. Again, it's fine at runtime, but it's just an interface builder thing. But if you're in there trying to move things around and I still run into the thing where opening a storyboard will move one thing around and then there's a new diff on the in Git and things like that. So crazy stuff like that. Anyway, the release notes for Xcode 93 says that uh, this this Exact thing is fixed, so I'll be very happy because then I can cool, start yeah. doing more stuff in storyboards. Although I don't know, maybe we'll be moving away from storyboards. Who knows? I, I mean, me personally, at uh, at the job, <laughs> but yeah. that'll be nice if this is fixed. So that was the one thing that jumped out at me, at least.
0: Yeah, I found an odd thing in, in recently with uh, when I was doing the Touch ID update. Um, I have a stack view in in the storyboard. Oh yeah, those aren't no good either. <laughs> yeah, and so what I find is if you when when they open the storyboard and look at it, everything's shoved over to the left, right? Yeah. Like it's not it's supposed to be centered in the, in the view, right? And if you go and, and you ch- just touch the spacing between the elements in the, in the stack
1: view, it kind of centers again, right? You, you have to like, like, oh. like nudge the, what I found I've been doing is, you know, the overall view that you have in the storyboard. Yeah. Or, or sorry, the overall view of that particular view or view controller. If you just yeah. nudge the height of that, because they're like, the ones I have are like dynamic or sorry, um... Force like I have the things at the three twenty by seven hundred or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, if you just nudge it up and down, like to seven hundred one and back to seven hundred, then it kind of is okay. Yeah. You just, until yeah, the next like time a, you open it, it's just yeah. And then crazy. it's all shoved to the side again too. Yeah. So and
0: um yeah somebody somebody pointed out a, a solution to it, but I forget what it was. But yeah, yeah. it's, it's okay. that's been annoying me, and I just kind of you just kind of have to like roll with it and just go okay, look, it looks fine when it renders
1: and yeah, something okay about and, calculating heights or widths or whatever it is, frames in interface builder is just wrong with. Variable things like stack views and multi-line labels, so um, or dynamically uh, number of line labels. I
0: wondered if it was because I I thought it maybe it was because it was. Remember we had those square Mm -hmm. um, views; they were kind of universal. Yeah, and uh, I thought, and this particular project was at one time a a storyboard like that, and then it shrunk down. I think I mentioned. I don't know if you heard last couple of weeks ago. I mentioned uh, a tool called IB Linter, which I've been using. Hmm. Which kind of uh, it's based on the sort of uh, Swift Linter idea. And it actually, you run it on your your storyboards, your nibs, and it'll find stray, you know, things that like you may have left over from an earlier iteration. And uh, you can just use, it gives you the actual identifier, you know, the big, long gobbledygook character string Mm. for that particular constraint. And then you can select it and delete it. And it's uh, super useful. So I I cleaned up a few storyboards that way. Stack using code, still my favorite thing,
1: but interface builder, I don't know. Out of five so One
0: note about uh, Xcode 9.3, I believe the minimum for the beta anyway, the minimum OS ah, yes. is 10.13.2, yep. I think. So no more Sierra. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, some of us are still, some of us still have to work in Sierra in some cases, but.
1: Hmm. I heard there was, you can just update the P list and change the minimum version to 10.12 and everything seems fine. It's a beta, so you'll probably be okay. No, probably just for the beta. To. Yeah. If you have to actually release an app, then yeah, you should think about going to Sierra. Yeah. which.
0: Well, I guess it's I guess the question is will the will the final release I mean the beta is the beta but will the final release be able to run in in Sierra or will
1: it oh, yeah. force our hand right this is where uh, it still seems early but I think we're around the time where they start moving people over so I wouldn't be surprised yeah, I mean I'm, I imagine they did in the beta for some reason whether it's just see if people complain on Twitter or not I'm sure there's a reason for it Yeah, but it right. seems only, to work only, so
0: that seems to be yeah early. we're less than six months away from the next, next OS whatever it's going to be right
1: that's true the biggest concern I seem to see on Twitter is people worried about about, uh, APFS, which I've never given a second thought to, but that seems to be hmm. a concern with some people.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I, I guess the only the only concern I would have about APFS is if you have to go back to if you want to try downgrading, right? Mm. Uh, that may be a challenge because yeah, because because when you do high Sierra, does it, it automatically moves you over to it? A, does AFS, yeah?
1: So, technically, yeah. there is technically there is APFS support in Sierra, so maybe it'll mm-hmm. work. But uh, I'm sure I can read it just fine. But I think if you formatted a new volume in Sierra with APFS using the command line or whatever, and you Try mm-hmm. to use it in high it doesn't quite work. So uh, I don't know, but yeah, downgrading might be will, will be a problem for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just don't do that then, as they say. All right, yeah. Just Never look back; only, always go forward. That's the just, way yeah. to do it. So yeah, uh, APFS is apparently slower <laughs> for something I haven't noticed, and I think uh, I've seen on Twitter some people saying it doesn't handle Unicode. Uh, if you have like non-ASCII characters, Unicode characters in um, file names, and it doesn't seem to play nicely with them sometimes. Hmm. But as a English English speaking person. And I you know I name all my files with ASCII characters. I've never run into a problem, yeah, but apparently course. that's a concern. And the other thing for Xcode 9.3 is it includes Swift 4.1. And I thought Jaime oh, mentioned really? in the chat, at least, an article about what's new in Swift 4.1, just to remind people. Uh, so maybe I think he was teasing you with a pick, yeah. Ah, you know, you put, uh, no one has it as a pick, so you can put that in the notes as well, if people want to be reminded of what's coming up. Sure. No, I think he was, he was picking on you because you were coming on the show. Mm,
2: or no, I wasn't dude. picking, I was like, oh, greg knows a lot about swift and greg this is, this is a softball for you give us some opinions on on swift 4.1 yeah yeah. yeah yeah
1: well this article from uh, paul hudson from hackingwithswift.com is, is well hey but very greg do you have a pick i'm sorry <laughs> no i have a pick it's not this one but you should pick this article if you want to know more about what's in swift 4.1 conditional conformance is a big one i do have a blog i think as of this when this is published i will have a blog post on conditional conformance so maybe cool. if i get in the notes in time it'll be up there as well but i've got it here already yet you do yeah i just stuck it in there yeah while you're oh. talking oh okay i thought you meant my blog post i'm like i didn't publish no it no, no 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> i will slip anyway. that into the notes if i finish it between today and saturday i told your preview yeah and that's paul hudson of uh, two straws on, on two uh, straws that's i was like uh, i know the name i know the site what is yeah. this twitter I can He was on roundabout across. you know Oh, was he? I don't remember that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Three or four episodes ago. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So yeah, Heard he, writes that so podcast. he writes for Future Magazine or Future Publishing in... in um, He's in the, UK, in the UK, right? UK, yeah. 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 All right. Cool. And his claim to fame is Hacking with Swift. So cool. Yeah. If people want to check out what's happening in there, we'll have that in the, in the uh, show notes. So yeah, let's move on to our picks. So... Wait, wait. Um, hold on. I, I, I just
2: oh, oh, was browsing oh. through the Hacking with Swift because it's, it's, it's in the show notes for those of you driving at home and I'm reading it now. Uh, flat Map was renamed to Compact Map. Yeah. Yes. yes. That, that is a breaking change for sure. Um, and the rationale makes sense for the rename. Hmm.
1: I'm not so big on the I don't know. Probably if you again found some, you know, new computer science grad who's never done anything before, or sorry, you know, and they just start university and they go through and then you show them Swift and they see compact math, they'll be like, Okay, that's great. But I think for everybody this is why I have a problem with it. for everybody who already knows flat map, I think a lot of people were grumpy about the rename. But um hmm. yeah, is it the better? Name? I don't know. It, uh, uh, as always, naming things is a difficult thing. So I think the thread for what to name this thing was just got a little out of hand on the, uh, on the mailing list. But yes, compact map is what they went with.
2: Yeah, I think uh, f- newly named compact map, nay, uh, flat map is, is just like a godsend. I, I use it all the time. Being able to do essentially map operations, but with a like, oh, you know what? I, I don't want the nil bits mm-hmm. of this collection here. Just go ahead and remove those for me. It is so useful. I use that a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think the the concept of it is, I think that's why people argue because people, some people use it for I don't know, what some people say is like the real, the real, quote unquote, real intended use is like if you have an array inside of an array, let's say, it will flatten it, which is I think the source of the name and it'll just turn into, you know, if you have an array of three things, an array of three things and those things are itself in an array and you flat map, you'll just get an array of six things in the end because it's gone into the array for you, which is uh-huh. like where the, and then just as a side effect it happens that optionals happen to be sort of like containers and it opens the optional and gets the nail out or not kind of thing. I think that's part of what the argument is when I look at it now. I'm like, you know, after the fact, with 2020 hindsight, that's the problem. With some people were like, "This gets two arrays and flattens them, so that name is great." And other people say, "No, but I have a normal single-dimensional array that may have some optionals, and I want to compact it together and sort of squish it together and push out the nils." And then I think that's the fundamental under- misunderstanding that people had behind it. So maybe compact map will fit more what the use case that you mentioned, Jaime, which I also think is the more common use case. I don't think a lot of people have arrays of arrays. That's kind of makes for a good example on a tutorial website. Or something, but I don't think that happens so much in in real life as much as options, at least in Swift.
2: Yeah, I, I think a breaking change like that was was kind of silly and unnecessary. Because um, if you were if you were going to use it the way that I do, where I use it as sort of like a sieve, mm. where all right, I need to run some operation. It's some sort of uh, like a common case is like a failable initializer for something. But I'm running it at a whole bunch of things, and I really don't care about the ones that failed. It's like all right, well, for backwards compatibility reasons, I will not worry about those. Um, it must be something that I that my code my current version of the code is unable to understand. It's i right. um, not forward compatible, but I'm forward compatible in a way of like, well, I'll just drop on the floor anything I didn't know how to process.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
2: It's super useful for that. So compact map as a name, if you were going to go that way, is like, well, compact kind of sounds like it's some sort of compression algorithm, which is not really what's happening. Hmm. Okay, like well, you're actively you know. losing information.
1: Well, okay. no like it hangs
2: around and says, oh, by the way, uh, here is your compacted map and I dropped five elements. Yeah. Not even a count, much less a here are the elements themselves in case you want to do some further processing.
1: Hmm, I see what you mean. Okay, I see compact as like, here's a cardboard box because I ordered some stuff from Amazon and I'm just going to flatten the box. Oh, I used the word flat. No good there, right? But I flattened the box so it's still the same thing. I just kind of took the empty space out of it, which you didn't need anyway because it was like nil, but the rest of it is still there. Like, I didn't destroy any matter, which, isn't impo- which is impossible possible anyway but you know what I mean I just compacted it so it's the same thing but just in a smaller space it's kind of more the way I see it not necessarily like lossy compression but uh, no I can right. see it both ways yeah uh, the we have a no, We should have a link to the Swift evolution proposal because it does I think very well written sort of like here's the problem um, there are three sort of uses of flat map and sometimes they conflict you get some surprising behavior in some special cases where you have like an optional inside an array that is itself optional things like that so there are I think 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 reasons why um, they need it so I think flat map is still there but it's going to do the array and array thing and then the thing about optionals will now be handled by compact map I maybe have that backwards I don't know but you can check out the uh, evolution proposal the swift evolution proposal for the details I think I tweeted something I remember now about I had something where if you I had like a flat map and then there's the closure but I just use like dollar sign zero and if you print it out first then it changes the behavior Um, uh, I'm not describing it well. I'll find the tweets. So basically inside a map I do like print dollar sign 0 and that's great and then another time I did just dollar sign 0 and the results are different. So it's almost hmm. like a Heisenberg just by touching the thing just by printing it first and then returning it the d- the behavior is different from just returning dollar sign 0 which seems crazy cuz like I'm just printing it out. How is that affecting the result but the type system does some things behind the scenes that you don't want and that's kind of the problem that or these that's the problem that flat map and compact map are trying to fix find my snarky tweet because i think some apple folks <laughs> replied uh explained it to me although i was kind of joking when i tweeted it but i'll try and find that
0: yeah i think remember something in one of carolyn or um yeah, i mean carolyn carolyn begby's videos about something like that if you call it it changes it something or other eh,
1: anyway here we go i found it i will paste it into the cool notes all right
0: so moving on to our picks now is that okay with you guys i'm okay with you yeah.
2: <laughs> I was going to make the snarky comment that, well, hopefully the Xcode tooling engineers will have the IntelliSense set up so that when I start typing F-L-A-T-M, it's like, oh, let me just Give me correct that, right. that to compact map because <laughs> obviously that's what you wanted, the useful version of it. Hey, don't
1: say that. Sometimes <laughs> classic
2: flat map is still useful. Yeah. I'm sure it is. I'll never use it again. <laughs> <laughs> No more Swift for us for all these breaking changes. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, autocomplete in like, you know, iMessage always uses ducking. And I never have to tell somebody about my need to avoid yeah. some sort of object, <laughs> Yeah, to be yeah. clear. Yeah, you got to love ducking. Um, now can we do our
1: picks? I'll just point out the guy who wrote the Swift evolution proposal <laughs> also replied to me to my tweet from back in November about this issue. So uh, kudos to the folks at Apple for being uh engaged with people on twitter who are uh, maybe sometimes unkindly tweeting about swift <laughs> okay cool link is in the show notes let's hear the picks are you ready for picks you sure <laughs> i just want to make sure you're sure <laughs> are you
0: seated comfortably All right. So my first pick is uh, there's a a link here for 30 under 30. um, The top 30 Canadian developers under 30, they're looking for um, making some selections. So if you know a developer, a Canadian developer working in Canada, sorry, Greg, uh, who's under 30, (laughs) 30, under 30. Sorry, Greg. (laughs) Um, They're taking nominations right now until February 19th. So yeah, if you know some young developer out there who's tearing it up, uh, perhaps you can. you know, nominate them, and I'm sure you can uh, nominate as
1: many people as you want. So. Have you nominated anyone yet? Not that you've seen who it is, but have you nominated anyone?
0: Um, I haven't, no. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, some interesting uh, opportunity for some young um gal or guy who can uh, get on this list of top 30 developers in Canada. It's quite a few of us, so it's, it's kind of a... <laughs> Kudo if you get there, right? You get selected. Uh, link in the show notes as we said before and my next pick is just, uh, I mentioned at the top of the show that uh, it's Apple's, uh, or sorry, when we were recording, it's now past midnight here so when we were recording it was uh, January 24th and it was the uh, 30-something 30th anniversary of the Macintosh as introduced by Steve Jobs. It's also the 8th anniversary of a little website known as com. So kudos to Ray and Vicky and all the gang over there at um on the eighth anniversary of the website.
1: So I think he tweeted a screenshot yeah. of his very first blog post. You can see he how did, yeah. how classic the site was styled back in those days. Uh, yeah. I'll find I'll find that tweet and put it here in the notes for you as well. Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So that's uh, kudos to Ray. Congratulations on uh, eight years. Eight more years. Eight more.
2: Years. Sorry. Wow. I didn't realize. Uh, I mean, well one i didn't realize it had been uh, quite that long and yet at the same time it feels like not long ago because yeah uh i got into ios development somewhere in the middle of 2011 so RateRenderlake.com was only about a year and a half old by the time yeah. i got into it it just seemed like it was even at that point, so full of great information that I was, I just assumed it was there from like day one in 2007. Yeah.
0: No, I, I think I, I found Ray's site early, early on. I, I, like I think I, I mentioned that my first sort of um, contract job was to, to build a, an app. And so I flew off to Seattle to, uh, and met a bunch of, you know, early, early developers and, you know, Mark Zara and, you know, um, Graham Devine and, uh, Daniel Jelkett and people like that were talking there. Um, I don't think Ray was at the first one, but he was at the first uh, of that conference in um, Philadelphia that I went to. And yeah, by that time, I think, yeah, it was one of the few places you could go to find actual, how do I do this kind of stuff, right? And, um, you know, beyond the the books, like the uh, press books were out. I think the Bigner Ranch book was out at that point. I think Aaron Himmelgast did the keynote at most of these uh, conferences I went to back in the day. But yeah, and uh, I remember Ray Ray and Rod Sturgo did a a book together on Cocos 2D um, Mm -hmm. back in I think 2011, I think, and they were doing, they did a talk at, at the conference. It was called Voices That Matter back in, uh, I think they did a talk in Boston, if I'm not mistaken, um, which I didn't attend by the way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I remember uh, running into Ray there. So yeah, long time ago. Cool. And I met him, of course, face-to-face in, at 360 iDev, which is another favorite conference of all of ours, right?
1: Many esteemed speakers Indeed. have spoken there, yes. Yes,
0: including Tommy and myself and Greg. Um, but not
1: Mark. Hmm. The elusive Mark, Dr. Mark Rubin. We're still leaving sure if he's a bot or not. So yeah, <laughs> you've met him. You know, you've met him. That's yeah. true. That's true. Met I've
2: met a him. person who claims to be Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to I was oh. thinking that. I didn't want to say it The no, actor I that like, I hired. As long yeah, as we're yeah, talking yeah. about conspiracies here, <laughs>
0: yeah, the actor that I hired. to play Mark? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he says the same thing about you, Jaime. By the way, he always um, has gotten the same actor.
1: The whatever two or three times I've met him. So yeah. At least he's consistent. Well, I mean,
0: he's, he's an actor in San Francisco. How much work could he possibly be getting there? Yeah. there right. True enough. Or San Jose, never mind San Francisco. Um, yeah. So. So, um, Jaime, do you have a pick?
2: I do. It is uh, quite timely given that we were, uh, I was getting uh, irrationally angry about compact map versus flat map. Um, Used to be for most of Swift's life, if uh, you were getting irrationally angry about stuff, uh, you had to deal with the mailing lists. Uh, That is no more. There is actually a whole forum set up. So forums.swift.org is now your new place to go to be Mm -hmm. really involved in the Swift evolution process or um, forums about how to use Swift and getting help and asking questions and so on and so forth so it's got a really kind of nice pleasant design to it things are color-coded so you can know which category you're dealing with um, kind of moving things from i don't know 1998 to 2018 so i'm, I'm very happy <laughs> to see that it's not a mailing list anymore
1: 98 that's being generous i was gonna say
0: 1988 <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so yeah so greg do you have a pick uh, of course we've
1: all registered
0: there over there so come on over and join us the weather water is fine um, so greg do you have a pick
1: i do have a pick i believe mark has picked this before in the past checked with him on the chat about this but there was a course on Coursera called machine learning I think the gentleman who teaches it is a I don't know if he works at Google used to work at Google and he's done AI at all kinds of places he's also the co-founder of Coursera itself so there you go very smart AI guy and he teaches this course on machine learning so Coursera they run the courses sort of on a schedule so they're always starting I believe but one is starting this week so at the time of this if you're listening to this right away when this episode is released the course you'll be sort of a week behind. I'm making air quotes here because you don't really fall behind. You can always just keep up with the uh, homework and the videos and things like that. So uh, I've signed up for the course and hopefully I will follow along and go through it. But it's a course on machine learning. There's a little bit of math in there as well and Mm -hmm. some linear algebra and things like that. But it's something I want to learn more about part of my 2018 uh, New Year's resolutions or something like that. So I'm going through the course and I think Mark has given it his thumbs up and I talked to a couple of folks at work who also know about this and said, yes, it was excellent. So i think go through it and learn a little more about machine learning. So how, what's the format? Is it like a video? You just watch a video for like an hour or something and
0: some exercises or is it like going to a class? Or
1: Yeah, they do videos and little quizzes at the end of the video with just like a couple of questions and then mm-hmm. they do longer quizzes after five videos, let's say, and then believe this one has an assignment. So, I, not for this course, but I, I did another course on like data structure algorithm, like a computer science course. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. would give you, like they would talk about, here's how they do, you know, I don't know, Dijkstra's algorithm for graph search or whatever, graph traversal. And they, they, they would explain it and they would say, they would give you like a massive data set, like millions and millions of nodes and, and edges um, or edges and vertices. I don't know what the words are anymore. Anyway, they would give you this massive data set and then they would say, what is the shortest path between Q and R or whatever? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't something that you could just look at and figure out. You would have to actually write an algorithm in the programming language of your choice to do it. And then you would just submit the answer, which would be like 42, like that was it. And then it would very easily check your answer and then you'd be done. So that was the algorithms course. This one, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be language specific, although it probably will be. They'll be like, download this Python module and try it out. So I think there'll be that kind of homework though, but I I honestly don't know what the homework is going to be. But there is some kind of homework. Cool. Yeah, we'll see if I get All stuck right. at the math part and give up. But hopefully, I will. <laughs> I will see this through. Have you done any courses on Coursera yet? Or I did. Uh, I think the algorithms one I took was also on Coursera. I right. Also did they right. EdX, formerly known as MITx. I did a couple of courses in right. there. Yeah. But it's been a while since I've done any of those. Any of that stuff. Cool.
0: I just wonder if it's more. Like, is it free to sign up for these
1: things or is a course? Yeah, this is one paid? is still free. I think some of them might be paid. And this one keeps bugging me. In the previous course I did, they're like, if you want the certificate, I'm again making air quotes right. of completion, then it's $30 or something like that and you'll get like an official, like I guess if you're applying for a job and on your resume you say, took a course, took a university course on machine learning and you give mm-hmm. them a URL, then maybe they use the blockchain I don't know, then they click on the URL yeah. and it will say yes, you know, Tim Mitra has successfully completed this course and we have checked and I think you have to send them a scan of your ID or something like that and uh, so he has signed the honor code and he has completed this course, they'll to sure. Give some kind of official know this like that. So if you pay the however much of this, I thought it was like thirty dollars. Pay in advance, or can you decide to make you them know, halfway through? Or I think you can decide at the end. You go through the whole course. You have to keep checking the box that yes, you have committed to the honor code when you submit your quizzes and homework and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yep. And then at the end, if you pass, I don't know, if you pass successfully, you can then pay the money, and they will add it to your official transcript. and making air quotes yet again, uh, but, but I don't really care about any of that. So I'm not looking to, you know, I'm just doing. It for for fun myself and just so I learn it. I don't actually need any certification or anything like that. I mm, see. Mm-hmm. Cool.
0: All right. So yeah, I guess that's it for the week, right? So if I may. If people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. Okay, and Greg, if people want to get in touch with you on Twitter. Uh... I'm also
1: on Twitter as at Gregio.
0: All right, and as I said at the top show, my name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter, and that's the best way to get a hold of me. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.
1: That was another MTJC episode for the History Books. I'm sometimes host and friend of the show, Greg Heo. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc If you have questions or feedback, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes, recommending us to a friend, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website. That's mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.
2: Man, look Ins- at this uh look at the credentials for so andrew eng adjunct mm-hmm. professor at stanford mm. university former head of baidu ai group oh, and a, apparently also yeah. google brain hmm.
1: yeah chris latner's boss if he's still there chris latner's boss if he's still there at <laughs> google <laughs> that's funny stanford, yeah the other- uh, professor at stanford yeah seems like a smart guy so <laughs> founder of course there you know some uh yeah. yeah i heard david DeLong left apple too
0: right
2: uh yes yes because he was a speaker yeah. at um uh swift by northwest and i think okay. he had left apple by that point mm. so have that you if so, he's the speaker there
0: when do you when do you do your next um we've created a monster speaking engagement there honey
2: oh i'll be speaking well i'll be giving a 10 minute lightning talk at um the lead developer conference in austin that is march 2nd of 2018 mm-hmm.
1: do you only go to texas for conferences <laughs>
2: no uh in fact i was uh i guess i can plug here for a conference i'm sadly not gonna be able to make it to just because timing doesn't work out is the um uh, Swift Cloud Workshop 3 is going to be in Mountain View. I have mm-hmm. to go look up and see exactly what day. Yes. One sec.
1: February something? I thought it was Sunnyvale, but you can find that and the location. Do they have a website? Oh, it
2: might be. I just remember it was near Google Town. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. So it is February 23rd on the Google campus in Sunnyvale, California. Hmm. Yeah. Need open. Yeah. So pochito. sadly, I won't be able to make that one because I will be in Portland around that time uh, doing work stuff. And I actually have to leave work stuff for a couple days just so I can go to. The uh, commitment I already had to go to the lead developer.
1: Hmm. Are you a lead developer?
2: I'm not currently a lead developer. No, that's that's uh, sort of a bit of irony. Oh my God, how the a, heck did you get into there? the
1: conference then? Uh,
2: <laughs> but like uh, I, I I have been a lead developer multiple times before my career, and uh, certainly carry along those uh, experiences in my day to day as an individual contributor.
1: Okay, hmm. I'll allow it. <laughs> You'll allow it. Probably <laughs> generous of you. Yeah, you know me. I try. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I'm going to be giving uh, a talk here. I'm going to read the actual thing to you because it is on their fancy website. Uh, is it on your GitHub ba- page? It, the the spot I think is on for conference talks is there uh, on my GitHub profile, but I have not oh, I put the content up there.
1: Got it. Okay.
2: Yeah. So it's uh I'm lazy, so I write tests. Is the the title of the 10 minute talk? So. Uh, The spiel is, uh, does your team deal with bugs that could have been caught earlier in the development cycle, wish you could get the benefits of test-driven development, TDD, but are worried that your dev team might revolt or that stakeholders will think that you're being unproductive? In this talk, we'll discuss an approach I've taken to balance the concerns of developers and stakeholders while simultaneously increasing developer productivity, increasing knowledge sharing, and reducing software defects. I've named this approach TBD, or test-backed development.
1: (laughs) I like it. Very well-written abstract. The title is catchy and it presents a problem and then says exactly what you're going to get out of the talk and why you might be interested. So take note, everyone out there, if you're submitting a talk, CFP or whatever that you have to cover those points. Catchy title, I mean, some people can't write catchy titles, so that's okay. But you have to say, what are you going to talk about? What is the problem? And why should people care? Those are the three questions you must answer.
0: So let me ask you a related question here. So I think, what if somebody's writing a cover letter for their for a resume? What they do there and then.
1: A cover letter for a resume I would say the same yeah. thing a lot of people write cover letters and say I'm awesome I can do this I can do this and I graduated from this great school and I'm great and you should hire me but you got to look at it from the other side I know it sounds cheesy like what can you do for the company why would the company want to hire you so it's right, like right. you just do your research right oh you have a company that does this and I really like how you guys do this and I have this experience and that's how I could help I don't know you highlight stuff off your resume I think is the usual advice which I think is good but it's I think a lot of times cover letters are like just restatements of the resume, which I guess is a good start. But you have to have a little... Uh, put yourself in the other person's shoes and say, all right, I am a recruiter at big tech company X and they are probably looking for these things. They want someone who is smart, somebody who can get things done, somebody who has shipped products before or whatever. I don't I'm making this stuff up. And then you have to highlight that stuff in your cover letter and say, you know, I've shipped many different things before, such as these things. And I'm very smart because I graduated from this very good school and... I get things done, as you can see from, um, I don't know, the things that I worked on and my excellent references and on my GitHub, I have this open source project that 10,000 people start or whatever. So, you, have, you know, I think just listing out your things is no good, but you always have to, I guess, same thing with the conference proposal. You have to look at it from the other side and say, what does the audience want to hear? What's the problem that they have and how am I going to solve it? So hmm. interesting parallel. I never thought about cover letter sort of been through the lens of a, uh, of a conference Talk proposal, but that's a pretty good. Uh, I like that. I like the analogy between the two. Cool.
2: Yeah, I can imagine trying to write a cover letter in like a BuzzFeed listicle style. <laughs> <laughs> ten, 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 re- re- ten reasons. <laughs> 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 ten reasons you won't believe why you should hire me or. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, maybe that'll actually work. Some people say nobody reads cover letters too. So I don't know if that's still true these days. But oh, yeah. uh, I've heard that as well, where it's like, ah, but it's not do they so important. Why ask for them then? Thing. If you're applying for applying for
0: work, why would they ask for a cover letter if they're not going to read
1: it? Um, I think it's just like, oh, we we have to ask for a cover letter and a resume and Formality, people will get it. Yeah, but I if you're, so, yeah. I don't know, a hiring manager, you have 10 of these on your desks. I think, I think most people just kind of scan through the resume quickly. But if you write like three paragraphs, solid paragraphs, like I think the thinking is... no. No one is actually going to read it maybe they'll just skim over and look for some fancy words or something but yeah i don't know mm-hmm. if that's actually true because i don't really look at resumes and cover letters these days but yeah although we are hiring but so far i have not looked at resumes and cover letters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: increase your company's productivity with this one weird trick your competitors <laughs> hate me. it yeah spoilers <laughs> hire me
1: yeah <laughs> Uh, I like that. Yeah. Maybe did I'll try the right glasses. Next time I'm looking from... for work, I'll give that a try. Did you get your new glasses <laughs> yet for from uh I did, yeah. Yeah. Are they
0: are they awesome? Do they fit like, like a glove?
1: They fit well. I think they might be small. I did move the slider in the app and they looked a little too wide in the preview. Um oh, so yeah. when I got the prototype, they were about the same they were a little bit narrower than my glasses that I wore before. Um so I got them. I was like, all right, I adjusted the arm a little bit so they fit around my ear. Better and then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're good. Although, well, I showed them some someone at work and they was like, Oh, those look a little too small. They're like, You know, really? this, uh, they, I, I don't know. Again, like I said, they're about the same size as the glasses that I wore before, so they seem normal to me, but I don't know, maybe not. Um, uh, so I think, but uh, for my next pair, I'm going to try the stainless steel because I did get a plastic, like an acetate one that looks like my mm-hmm. current pair just because that's what I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently, the stainless steel is well, they all the cool kids are wearing these days because it's like very lightweight and things like that. So I might try that for my next pair of glasses oh. mm. mm-hmm. Yep.
0: So how are you enjoying it? Are you like, like a short commute to work now,
1: I guess? or Oh, it's, it's pretty long. good. 15 minute walk. Yeah. Um, that's pretty good. That and um, I don't know. Yeah. Having time after work to just do stuff is nice. Yeah. And, you had a long uh, commute before, right? I did have a long, which, you know, I li- I'm, I'm so behind on podcasts now because I just don't have the, well, I was going to say I don't have the time. I do have the time, but I just, I don't have that usual thing of like, oh, I'm sitting on the train. I will listen to podcasts. I don't have that anymore. Anymore, so I'm very behind mm. on podcasts. Mm. Maybe is the downside. Uh like, I mean, this nice. And yeah, working in Swift is maybe I said this already, but is a bigger is a bigger nicety than I thought. Mm-hmm. I think in my first two weeks I kept joking, like, Oh my god, this would make an awesome blog post. And I came up with like twenty blog post ideas just because you're doing Swift all day. Are you guys doing Swift all day, like more than eighty percent of the time of your writing code? Is there still Objective C? lurking around
0: back there oh for us yeah we no we're, yeah we're, we're pretty much Swift, Yeah, yeah there, there's okay. still there's still some legacy code of course but yeah I think um and a lot of times when we're looking at things we're like oh let's just refactor this and rewrite it because it just makes more sense and more flexible mm. and that kind of stuff right so yeah, okay. yeah so it's it's coming along we like I said we still have a lot of foundation code and stuff like that but yeah anytime we look at it at a <laughs> you know we just find it much more flexible to you know modularize
2: the code and stuff like that
1: all Swifty all the time I'm cool. enjoy yeah that now. You yeah you too I mean mostly Swift
2: yeah I mean there's I think similar to Tim there's a lot of uh, legacy code that's still objective-c but I think the sort of standing rule is um, use Swift unless there's a really good reason why it doesn't make sense to do it in Swift like you know you're making a rather minor modification to um, an, an existing objective-c class or it's just not worth the um, time and effort for the schedule to take the time to rewrite the entire thing um,
0: hmm.
2: you know if it's like you know 5050 we will probably end up rewriting it in Swift. If it's um, if it's not, it's like, well, kind of depends on, on where we're at. If you're, uh, you know, wrapping things up and you've still got plenty of time, sure, go for it. If not, then maybe better to leave it alone until there's more time, you know, some the normal ebbs and flows through uh, project life cycles and also the during the year, right? Like, I think the fourth quarter as people start going on holidays and stuff and it gets um, less likely that you're going to launch big new initiatives, probably the time you have to do things like rewrite classes or um, that's when we migrated to Swift 4, 4.0 mm. so that sort of thing
1: cool
0: just looking at the thing that Maron posted here, about watching or listening to cassettes on this little player
2: thing—is huh. in the slack? was like a hipster sort of thing. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> like, why would you know, you like as to a thing. Sure. Like, I understand why people did, um, you know, vinyl stuff. There's certainly like a fidelity and yeah. uh, feel to it. But uh, audio cassette has been completely overtaken in in every aspect. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, suppose, yeah, I, I, I can't don't I can't think of any real good reason why you would choose an audio cassette over any of the existing technologies we have now
0: yeah and i think in 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 our case we have like you know family members who recorded you know speeches or diaries and that kind of stuff and it, it's nice to you know digitize that stuff and way to go or mm. you know put it on things i still have my grand my grandson's first um voicemail that he left us you know because I, I think it was on a tape machine that we had as an answering machine and you know converted it to digital and that kind of stuff you know so a lot of the older technologies i, I have a film scanner i finally got a film scanner at a found a nikon scanner at a at a pawn shop right and i've always wanted to get one of those things they're like thousands of dollars normally so i can put the old film strips you know from the old photography days into the thing and and slides as well we have boxes and boxes of slides because people used to do that back in the day Hmm. you know because you didn't have you didn't have flickster (laughs) you'd have people come over to your house and put slides in and mechanically you know analog show them up on the on a big screen right so yeah
1: are you going to be at, at RW Devcon Tim?
0: Yeah, I've got my uh, my ticket. I'm just uh I was actually just looking at getting a hotel room today, so I'm not speaking or participating. I'm just going over there to hang out, so. Mm, me too.
1: No, that it's funny. A, I've, talked
0: to, I've yeah. talked to other team members who've left, and I'm like, oh, just come back to Slack. And they're like, oh, I feel weird about that. And just come back to Slack.
1: Said, Greg does it. He has no shame. You should tell Yeah, me pretty
0: back. much. Yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> the, you're the you're the, you're the, bear, the, you're the bar. Yeah. <laughs> You've lowered the I bar. I still first. answer the
1: odd questions, so I try to yep. make myself useful.
0: Yeah. Yep. You get to make fun of your sideways glanced emotic- or, um, avatar. So.
1: I think I can never change that photo. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. No well, you can, you can update it. I guess. I could... Yeah. Uh, Take a new one for 2018. Same. Yeah, it is. At, good. You know, uh, Felix Krauss, the fast lane guy. He did that with his photo. He went to the exact same photo studio. And he like got his haircut like just the same. Really? Way and asked them to use the same. Yeah, there's a funny tweet that somebody tweeted of like the 2016 versus the 2018 version, and you can tell oh, it's well. different. Like he looks a little bit older, and the right, lighting right. is not quite the right angle. But if you look at it, he did change his photo. But yeah, he on purpose went to the same place to get it done, which is kind of funny.
0: Yeah, it's funny when I when I came. Back, back to toronto when i worked for that company that uh, was in pre-press they they did they did put a they did a headshot of me and put me in marketing magazine and stuff like that right and because that's what they do and uh a few years later i forgot what i was doing but i had to get a headshot done so one of the photographers did some headshots for me and i had that forever as my linkedin um picture right but i had like you know dark hair and dark beard and all that kind of stuff and and somebody called me out for it like on linkedin about you know five six years ago because my hair is now gray right <laughs> you know and so so I I finally changed it over to the the one you see now, but yeah, for the longest time I had this the same. I think probably about ten years on the internet I had the same avatar. Right? It's still out there if you search for it. Mm. You know, strange places, yeah. but yeah, I figure I have to keep this one forever. And my son's dog ate my hat last year. <laughs> you know, the hat that's in, in my avatar. I don't, I don't have the. I have my original hat from Vancouver. I have a beaver hat, but this hat that's in the. I got this one in San Francisco. The one's in my avatar, and the, the dog ate it last year. So where's you it's looking all
1: for? A hat when we were in. Nashville? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I was looking for one for sure. Because he wanted one, not because he needed one. Oh, well. yeah, Ooh. no. Car- yeah, mm. yeah.
0: Carol, Carol and I have, um, Carol's got like, I don't know, 200-something hats here, so she 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 makes hats. She used to teach hat-making at uh, millinery. it's called. Um, she used to teach millinery at Sheridan College before the T-Rex took over and they, they threw all the um, fabric arts out and put in CG, SGI computers and taught people how to make, you know, T-Rexes, right? Because the guy who did the T-Rex from um, Jurassic Park went to Sheridan.
2: <laughs> so let me ask the uh, question here: How come you don't have like custom hats made so you can have like that perfect hat that's sized uh, just the way you want and way You know what? Carol
0: Carol has some cool like 1950s men's hats that are just they're just amazing. Like you know, but I, I they're kind of like they're like Cadillacs. You don't want to put them on and you know wear them outside. And but she's got she's got a couple of nice hats that I got my eye on, kind of thing, right? But she has like vintage hats and you know ostrich feather hats and boas and all these cool things. She the head blocks that make them as well. They're some of them are like like um, like puzzle boxes. Like you know they're the you know they're the sort of formed you know the hats you see the girls wearing in the you know 30s and 40s and stuff like that. There the wood block that you stretch the felt over is like you know it's kind of fatter on the in, in the body of the hat and narrower at the brim. So the way they they kind of come up the head block comes apart by you, you slide out the center piece and the inside part collapses out and and they're all handmade right. So they're you know people people now buy them and they decorate their houses with them which is the art which is the little pain in the ass part of it but yeah she has some cool cool uh, things like that too it's a neat it's a neat uh, thing so her uh, twitter her twitter handle is the if you look at it it's in french but it's the mad hatter <laughs> cool cool yeah yeah anyway i gotta roll into work tomorrow morning and uh, set up a couple of macs so i'm gonna have to call it a night so i'll talk to you guys later I'll see you on the slacks and stuff see
1: you on all the slacks all right talk to you later all right okay yep. bye Burned I.